I'm Garrison Doctor. And I'm Corinne Doctor. And this is Fishing Stories. And today we are joined by the one and only Katka Svagrova out of the Czech Republic. Though, really, I feel like she's of the world. She is. Yeah, an angler from all fishes all over. Yeah, although I was glad to hear that there are still some places on her bucket list. So she has more adventures to come. Absolutely. Some great stories today, including one that was a bit scary and could have ended very badly. Yeah, so without further ado, we'll let her take it away. And um, here she comes. Hi, Katka, are you there? Yes, yes, I hear you guys. Hi, Garrison. Hi, Corinne. Hi, Katka. It's so fun to see you. Yeah, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much for inviting me to your podcast. I'm really uh, happy to do so. Yeah, we're excited to uh, chat with you a little bit, talk about fishing, of course, something that all three of us love a lot. (laughs) Yeah. So where are you right now? You just got back from Spain? Yeah, I just got back last night from Spain. It was actually a memorable fishing trip. I was fishing a beautiful brown trouts and some big rainbows. And, and I was really surprised because it was like a New Zealand style. It was wow. all, all side fishing with little nymphs. It was really exciting. I, I just going back in a couple of weeks. That yeah, is cool. So. We've on, The only place we've fished in Europe is Iceland, which I don't think counts as the same as something like Spain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it, it does. Iceland is amazing. It's my second home actually. That's yeah. right. So just for anyone who doesn't know, Katka is a guide, a fly fishing guide, but also has the most opportunities of anyone I've ever seen to get to fish around the world. Yes. Yeah, it's true. I'm guiding on Iceland when you mention Iceland. So that's my second home. That's why I'm guiding uh, all season. And I'm just coming back in three weeks, four weeks time, and it will be my fifth season. So I'm really excited about it. And you guide for salmon in Iceland, right? Yeah. Um, salmon and sea trout and additionally brown trout as well. Excellent. Well, some other time we're going to have to compare notes on the sea trout because we're hoping to be in Iceland uh, middle of September this year specifically for the sea trout. Yeah, what river? Was it Tungufjord? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, it's big, big sea trout, yeah. That's what we're hoping for. (laughs) Definitely worth it. And I think if you are like deci- like deciding about Iceland, you should also go like early spring, like April, May, go for these big brown trout to tingle in like it's also a really cool experience. Yes. We we did that almost exactly one year ago. Yes. Have you been there? Yes. Well, I didn't see. Well, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. We found a couple. We uh we put some time in on the big lake as well though. Yeah. Did you fish the Ion Beat or some other beats? Uh, just next to the Ion Beat. Fish the river mouth, right? With the fish partner. Correct. Yeah. Right. yeah, we actually did better on the like rocky, I can't pronounce it very well, but with the big cracks. That's, yes. that's the one. <laughs> Correct. And where is home for you? Well, I live in Czech Republic, but as you know, I'm just traveling all the time. So my home is actually everywhere. <laughs> and where I go... Home. But yeah, I'm based and I, I, I came from Czech Republic. Yeah, I'm here right now, but like next week, I have some competitions ahead, fishing competitions for sure, fixing my sled and then I'm off again. So. And you're on you're on the women's competitive team, correct? Uh, yeah, I'm part of the like national Czech fly fishing ladies team. And actually this year in July, we are going to Norway 
to attend on the first ladies world fly fishing championship ever so that will be also really exciting um so i can't wait for that well good luck that sounds really exciting. excellent well if i was a betting man i would put some heavy wagers on your team so putting that out <laughs> <Yeah>. there <laughs> uh, well great well as you know we're here to just share some fun fishing stories and we were hoping you could tell us one we know you have many to choose from <laughs> yes well you can you can decide whatever we would like to hear but if i can choose i would like to share my last uh, experience it was like crazy experience it happened just two months ago was in Oman. I was going to fish in Oman. Did you see about the about the big TV, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. So I was uh, with uh, Arabian Sport Fishing with uh, Brandon and Claire King. They are a couple, fishing couple, really nice couple. From uh, he's from South Africa and she's from UK. So I just decided to go there with one of my client, and we were fishing for Afrikaans permit mostly and also in the Pacific. You know, the Oman is really special because you can chase fish, chase permit from the boat, like these Africans, but also in the Pacific permit from the beach. Oh, so wow. they have, yeah. And they have plenty of other species. They have big GTs, mahi-mahi, you know, queen fish. For me, it was like second Australia, to be honest. The wildlife is just amazing. And um, yeah, so, and what happened there when we were fishing, right? It was amazing and we were fishing for mostly for a permit, right? That was the fish we were focused on. But then I, maybe, you know, I'm like dreaming about GT for many, many years and I never had an option or opportunity to get one. I never been in Seychelles. That's one of the places I really want to go. And uh, when we were fishing with Brandon from the boat and suddenly a huge piece, like a huge, you can't even imagine the size of the GT just show up next to the boat. So the Brandon was like, cast, cast, but the, the, the GT was swimming so fast. And he said, well, the GT is on the hunt. So what we did, and it was really clever of him, he just started a boat, went around and maybe 100 meters, like down around the coast and stopped the boat, stopped the engine. And I said, what are you going to do now? And he said, we will wait because maybe the GT will just pass. So we were waiting, waiting, you know, nothing was happening. And then Brandon just said, okay, he probably turned back to the deep, let's go. So I started winding in and suddenly the GT show up like six, 10 meters from the boat. Wow. And the GT was like, he said like Brandon estimation was like one meter, 40 centimeters. Oh, he said, a giant. Yes, it will be like the world record. He said it was like incredible, like world record for the women, but maybe also for the men, who knows, right? So when the GT was just there, the only thing I remember I just dropped my fly. I had like a big black brush fly. I just dropped the fly. It was a six o hook. Dropped the fly. And once the fly landed, this huge fish just turned, opened the mouth, swallowed the fly. And then I just remember I did like a proper strip set, like proper one. And I, you know, found a little more. And then I just saw the huge fin. And this is the old thing I remember. Then the, the, the fish turned. I saw the huge, like a, a little pectoral fin, right? Yeah. And then I just look at my client, look at look at Brandon. They look at back to me, and I was gone. So what happened basically? Oh because gosh. I had slack line under my feet. You know, when the fish he took so close, it was like six meters from the boat. But when I did the strip strike, the fish kind of turned and came even closer to the boat. Then he shoot off the the fly line, jump, wrap around my neck, and that was the scary part. 
the fly line was wrapped around my neck. I was still holding the rod, and then off I go. I just suddenly in the sea, you know, out of the boat. The fish was pulling me a little bit, and with the second hand, I was just trying to remove the fly line from my neck because I just knew. I, I was just thinking, fuck, I'm going to die. It was really my thoughts. I just knew I'm going to die. And suddenly, and luckily, somehow I managed to pull off the fly line. But what happened, the fish probably went off to the cliff. So the tippet, which was like, I think it was 100 pounds or 120 pounds, super strong tippet, just break off on the rocks. So the fish was gone, but I survived. Which, <laughs> so, thank God. that I saw your stories from that, and I was like, how does this happen? This is incredible. Well, and that's like the scariest possible um, like setup in terms of leader and fly line for that to happen with, too, because you're not building like a breaking point into a GT leader. You know, it's not like a IGFA tarpon leader where you have, you know, a section of 16 pound built in. It's like you're running, you know, 100 or 120 fluoro and that's it. So the amount of pressure to break that, if you wrap around any part of your body, say nothing of your neck. I was just lucky it break of itself. I don't know what, what happened. Probably Brendan thought it was rocks. But then the guys told me because then I just I actually lost my glasses, you know, the head just of course. And it was it was like but I still managed to hold my rod. That was the surprising part. I was still holding the rod hard. <laughs> I was because when I just swam out of the of the water, like I came to the surface and then I was screaming, he's on, he's on, and I was holding the rod like fighting the fish. And the guy was like, No, no, he's gone. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. So when do you think the line wrapped around your head? Was it after you set? Yes, it was pretty set. And it was it was like, actually, I still have a mark. I um, probably won't see it. But you saw in the picture, right? It was like pretty. It was like a burn. The burn was all around my neck. But just one some part, it was like really deeper. And I had other burn on my left hand as I was trying to pull it out of my neck. So like from that moment, guys, if I can recommend you something always have a knife or something because it's really scary if this happens yeah you know it's incredible it's such a it's a lesson you don't want to learn but hopefully everybody else will learn from it yes but to be honest like for me if i think about my fishing life like the past and everything this is like one of the best experiences i ever had and maybe it's a little bit cheeky to say but it was the adrenaline rush i had when i just came off and came into the boat again. I was just shaking. It was it was incredible. You probably saw the video. I was talking, you know, to guys, and they were just laughing. They were first of all. They said, "Well, lucky you, and lucky that my client didn't try to hold me because he just he said, I look at the you, then I look at the guy, then I said just fly line, and before I managed to turn back, you was already in the sea. So, but he said I was about to hold you. He he wanted to, you know, hold me and catch me, but. Luckily, he didn't because if he did, the fly line can cut my cut my head off or something like that. Yeah, you know, it's very there, strong. There will, will be like the fish will be going and he will be holding, so it will be like two powers, opposite powers, and it will just cut my head off. It will be really bad. So. Oh, man, <laughs> well, it's just too bad, you know, that you didn't get to fight that fish a little bit longer because the power involved would have been amazing to experience that fight a little bit more but we're obviously glad you're still here with your head on your body yes and i'm now even more hungry for chili to be said i bet <laughs>
you know? <laughs> yeah, now you need a vengeance on the GTs. That's right. But it looks like you had some great success with those Africanus permit on that trip. Yeah, well, uh, we were really unlucky with the weather, to be honest. Like Oman is really known for the stable weather. So you can go there all year round and most likely you will have really good weather, really calm sea. But then Brandon said maybe two days a month, three days a month, the sea is really rough and that's what happened to us. So I caught a really nice one. Uh, actually, we were spending three days just waiting the beaches, but we didn't see any Indo-Pacific, but it was because of this bad weather. You know, the, the, the waves were too big, so it's hard to spot. And what we thought there was a really huge uh, difference in temperature, so the fish were probably in the deep. But once we left, the Brandon said they were just seeing fish after fish. So we were really unlucky. It's amazing anyway, because even if you don't have lots of action with permit, there is always something to do. There is so many mahis. So you can always cast for a mahi. You can look for queen's fish. You can try these crazy cheaties if you want. So there is always something to look for. So Because you, you fish for a lot of mahi-mahi in Czech Republic, right? Uh, no, in Croatia. Oh, in Croatia. In Croatia. Okay. Yes. I've yes, seen a lot of that's those. a special place, yeah. Actually, this year, what I'm planning to go to uh, to explore a little bit, I'm going to rent a boat uh, and spend there like between two weeks to one month. I'm not sure yet. Depends on my diary. But I would like to really explore more and maybe try to start an operation or something in the future. Let's see. Well, yeah. you've been exploring that water for a long time, it sounds like. Yeah, we so. love yeah, well, I've been it for 10 years. But the, the truth is that... I always get some fish during the week. And one year I remember with my dad, we always go there like a family holiday. So my dad, my best fishing buddy ever. So we always fish like nonstop. And one year we got like 100 mahi a week. But the other year we got like five mahi a week. So, and it's really hard to predict them. So I would like to really crack the code and find out how to find them anytime I need, you know, because if you have clients, you need to be able to find them almost anytime. So that's but I'm going to try and use the boat more because we're fishing basically just from the beach. Which is so cool to be able to catch yeah. that fish from the beach is unusual. Yeah, it's unusual and it's special and everything, but also, on the other hand, it's so difficult, so hard and unpredictable. So I really don't have to offer this to clients yet because, you know, <laughs> one year I found out and yes, it's done. Then let's go next year just to prove it. And then I come and completely, you know, we're just hopeless. <laughs> yeah, that will be fun. I've only caught a mahi-mahi on conventional tackle in Hawaii. That's it. Yeah, really? So then you have to go to Oman or just come with me to Croatia? I'll come with you to Croatia. There we go. <laughs> Fishing Stories is brought to you by Rep Your Water Apparel. For those of you who don't know, we are the co-founders and owners of Rep Your Water, where we make everything from hats, sun shirts, merino blend sun hoodies, whiskey glasses, teas, and much more. All of our products feature unique designs, and all of them support our conservation partners. To see the latest and learn more, check out our website, www.repyourwater.com. Fishing Stories is also brought to you by Lock & Co. Whiskey. Distilled right here in Colorado and finished with hand-cut, charred Colorado aspen wood discs, this smooth and yet complex whiskey is as unique as any trout stream. It's a staple on our bar at home and is delicious served as is or even mixed in a cocktail. To learn more, go to www.lockandcodistilling.com. Lock spelled with an E. I'll come with you to Croatia. There we go. <laughs> 
There you go. Well, I know another place that we both love in the world and have been to a few times is the Bolivian jungle for Golden Dorado. And you were there just right after we were. Yeah, like it was maybe a month and it sounds like you got the best week of the season oh and maybe of our mutual friend Santi's career. Yeah. Yes, that's what he said to me. Yeah, He said, yeah, it was like, for me, Bolivia is a special place, right? It's like there is nothing, nothing like Bolivia, I would say, in fly fishing world, at least in freshwater fly fishing world, and at least for me. And uh, I was there, it was the end of the season, the last week of the season last year, right? And you have been there before, right? Yeah, yeah a couple, couple times. And Santiago said, you know, something, he's our common friend, right? Good guy. And uh, I was really looking forward to fish with him. And, you know, we planned this with uh, Marcelo from Simane. You know, we were planning it for a long time and everything. So I was so excited. But they were telling me, look, you might not get the best or the worst because the end of the season can be really tricky. You can get um, really high water and rain and everything. So what happened? I got the rain, right? <laughs> so when we arrived, it was crazy raining. And then I woke up next morning excited to go fishing and the water was just high and red and just like it was not like chocolate it was just red so it was impossible to fish and then Santiago was just saying look it's it's going to rain the next day so I'm sorry but this looks really bad this looks you got the worst right <laughs> yeah. so we were just hanging around with the locals with Chumana people you know having some coca leaves fishing for a catfish on a bait just you know having fun because fly fishing was impossible but then what happened, the rain was just like magic, it stopped. And the water the next day, it was actually two days, and the third day started to clear up a little bit. So we were fishing the tributaries, the little the little creeks, right? Yeah. And then Sandus really, it's, it's actually, thank you to him, thanks to him, because he has really good decision at the time. He said, let's leave the camping, the camping in the jungle for the last two days, because probably the water will be much clearer much more clear. So the last two days we spent up uh, camping and fishing the really, really high water, high waters of Secura River. And I can tell it was the, I'm saying maybe sometimes I'm saying, oh, that was the best fishing of my life, but this was the best fishing of my life. I caught, I caught in total around 20 fish, big dorados. I'm just counting big dorados, 20 big dorados. The biggest one was over 20 pounds, was maybe 25, 24 pounds. And most of them, they were on dry fly. So it was just incredible. And Santiago is really fit guide. And I was there with Jamie, the other client. You know, he was from you. Yeah, yeah he was supposed to be on our week, but then he had a positive COVID test. And he couldn't come. And so it was just a whole... Amazing guy. And I think we really fit, fit well together. So because he was like fast walking and he wanted the space, you know, quite fit guys so we were just going going upstream fishing so hard we always did like two casts in a pool nothing there just dash upstream 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 so we basically we almost went out of the beat you know we're just going and going and going and and Santiago said we we did like 16 kilometers a day upstream on these rocks in the heat it was incredible yeah but and those rocks are crazy like you yes. kind of take one step forward fall back a yeah. tiny bit it's hard waiting yeah, yeah. like you're like a goat you know like a mountain goat just jumping on the rocks and just want to go further and further and further and yeah i think i will never beat that because santiago after this two days he said it was the best two fishing days in bolivia of his career and he's guiding there 40 years, I think. 
Yeah, right. 2017, I think, was his first year. Yeah, so four years, and the season is like six months or longer. Yeah. And he said the best two days, you know, it was incredible. And we were catching fish like 15 pounds, you know, 15, 16 pounds. And Jamie was like, ah, oh, don't take pictures of this. And Santiago was like, oh, hey, it's a nice fish. Yeah. <laughs> Like, no. Well, that's so funny. When Jamie had to reschedule, you know, we were looking and there were only a couple spots left and they were like, well, Katka is, you know, the one of just a few people in this last week, we could put Jamie with her. And I was like, oh yeah, I want to see the Jamie Katka adventure. Yes. And the Paku were active oh, in those God, last Paku couple of days too, right? We got amazing Pakus and we lost a couple. I got a huge Paku and Jamie as well, actually. We got really big Pakus. And um, yeah, I'm going back uh, this year again. What What did your big Paku eat? They were taking these dry flies, the, the mouse. Mm. mouse. It was, you know, did you fish the mouse fly there as well? Yeah, I did you? I had some some good action on the upper beats, like more towards the upper camp with, uh, with the mouse fly, but not with Paku. The only Paku yeah. I've ever caught were all on little streamers. Okay, okay. So we had them on the dry, you know, it was crazy. And That's I have, awesome. I have never caught a Paku. And oh. so this is my big deal with Santi. Cause when I was coming back this time, he Thanks. said, Oh, Paku guaranteed. And I said, don't you dare guarantee something because we know it's not going to yeah. be a promise. Our you week, keep. you know, we had a really great week. It, it started kind of similar to yours. Like it, the water was really off color. It had been unseasonably cold. It was like, it was not a good start at all. The first day or two was really, really hard fishing. And then it warmed up and it cleared up, but it never warmed up to the point where the Paku were very active we had quite a few good anglers in our group and there just weren't many opportunities. I landed one Paku and that was the only Paku the landed week. the whole week. I think maybe the temperature did the difference. Exactly. Right? Even we had the rain, the Santi said it was like the hottest, before I arrived, it was the hottest week of the season. He said they can't even sleep in the tents. He said they have to take a cold shower at night. And he said it was really horrible. Then the rain comes, the water gets dirty. And after that, the best fishing was the best fishing. So all of that is worth it. You know, the hot, hot nights and the weird rain and conditions when you end up with good fish and good fishing and fun people for sure. Yes. Excellent. Yes, Are you coming back this year or next year? Next year. Next year. Great. But yeah. you, you're just go to Mexico now, right? Yeah, we Thanks to your recommendation, we are going to Ascension Bay Lodge. We'll be there on the 21st of May. So this podcast will come out and we will have already come back. But uh, yeah, we're really excited. Yeah, I will have a great time, I promise you. Yeah. Hopefully we'll get some nice permit, but I'm sure you will. Uh, I hope so. I hope we at least get some shots, you know, some opportunities. As many so. Yeah, good. Well, what's coming up for you that you're really excited about in terms of trips? Well, I'm just like, now I will take it a little bit easy and do some fishing in Europe and back home. Because I have just, like I said, like four weeks until I go to, to Iceland to, to guide. Then from Iceland, I'm just leaving. Just It will be just a super short trip to this world championship in Norway. Then I come back and guide again. And I think I will finish around the 13th of September, and then I go straight to Bolivia. So it will be pretty exciting. Excellent. And then I have a trip planned with the Untamed Angling again to Brazil for 
Kiraru Group for Arapaima and for Payara, the vampire fish, which I'm really excited about. I never caught a vampire fish, and it's my dream from uh, almost from childhood because this fish is so strange. So strange. Well, the episode before you, so everybody, if you haven't listened to this episode, is all about the Payara, the vampire fish with Rodrigo, who runs the operation. I think so. Yeah, I have so many trips planned already with couple this spring, so I'm just too busy. <laughs> so in Iceland, what's it like? Because we've only done, like we said, like the big browns in like Thingvallavatn, and then we did a little bit of the highlands, but what's the salmon fishing like? I would say it's like two different worlds. One is trout fishing and possibly sea trout fishing. And the other, other world is uh, salmon fishing. You know, it's like the world itself on Iceland. And uh, I have been, I never been in Russia, but I have been in Norway and Iceland fishing for salmon. And I have to say, Iceland is really special because, like, in the river where I guide, it's called Laxaikios. And uh, many people call this river as uh, Salmon University of Iceland. <laughs> and that's because fishing for salmon there, it's not like typical salmon fishing as you know it with double handed rod swinging the fly. It's really active style of fishing. So you stripping the little hitch, you know, the surface hitch. So we have lots of action on the surface. Uh, or you're stripping a small treble or double hook flies, but they are size 16 or 18, sometimes in 20. So like tiny, tiny flies. And also we are using a little nymphs, you know, with the indicator for these sea trouts, sometimes salmon. So, and the, the water is like gin clear. And we do a lot of sites in the upper canyon, especially. So it's super cool. And it's really exciting guiding to be, to tell you the truth, because, you know, you are sometimes on the cliff, the fish watching the salmon staying in a pool, it's like an aquarium. And then you're just navigating the client, where to cast, how to strip. And sometimes you just say, you know, strip, strip, stop, strip, strip. It's like salvo, the fly fishing in a way. And then just the salmon come up on the surface and take the hitch. It's pretty exciting. That's yeah. amazing. And what's an average sized salmon in that, in that river system? Well, they, they, as you probably know, they in average they are smaller than Russia or Norway. I would say they are like um, between 60, 55 to 70 centimeters. Could be like, I don't know, six pounds, you know, seven pounds. But we also have some good ones. Like the last year or the year before, you know, I caught with a client. It was fish over a meter or around one meter. So it's, it's good salmon. That's and the sea trouts are on this river, like Saikios. It's also known for its sea trouts. So we have lots of sea trout. We had a huge run of sea trout in July, and then they stay, you know, uh, all, all all summer until end of the season. And um, they really big. They can be like 80 centimeters, over 80 centimeters, but normal like 60, 70. Really good fish, and they super spooky. And the fishing is really technical. In all this river, the, the river is like mid-sized river. I would say more like smaller river, and the fishing is really really tricky and technical. It sounds fun though, especially with the clear water and the sight fishing aspect of it. Yeah, and they and they spooky, you know, these fish, you can spook them so easy. And if you have the conditions, like if it's sunny, they see everything. Sometimes when I have clients, as a guide, I sometimes even grumble about the color of the fly line. You know, some maybe some people don't believe in it, but sometimes when you have like hot orange fly line and you have a sunny day, it's like game over on this river. If it's not a prime time. Really, really fresh fish that doesn't matter really but then in august well you need to be really really uh technical and most of the season i use like 0.24 tip, millimeter tippet really really thin tippet for someone definitely yeah. well that's cool we but were to go. yeah that's it 
That sounds intimidating, but also very fun. We've seen, obviously, a lot of the waterfalls in Iceland. We didn't fish any of those, like, huge, huge rivers for salmon, but I can just imagine what you're describing, standing on top of the cliff with that big pool below. I mean, that is so thrilling to think that those big fish are in there. Yeah, and the nature is amazing. You know, you have been there, so all these beautiful green hills and all these horses running around. Iceland is a really special place. Yeah. Well, we're work on, working our way up. You know, we did trout in the spring. And char. And char. And now we're going to try our sea trout. And then, you know, one of these days we're going to work up to the salmon level here. Yes. Yeah. All right. Once you come for salmon, just let me know. Okay. That sounds good. <laughs> Well, great. Well, tell everybody where they can uh, follow you and, and say hi and follow your adventures all over the world. Yeah, let's. if, if you want to say hi, it would be really nice. I'm really happy to talk with anyone. Um, also give some, you know, advice if someone needs and, you know, tell, some, tell my stories if you would like to hear. So you can uh, find me on Instagram. Uh, you can find me Katka Svagrova. Hopefully we'll just show up. Yeah. Right. You're the only cool Kotka. Put, put Kotka in and, and you'll find it for sure because you'll know. Oh, well, if you, Katka, if you write Kotka and S, it will probably pop up. And I go. think I have Dorado in profile picture, right? I think so. Yeah. And I'll, I'll write it down on the show notes so people can find that as well. Yes. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. Yeah. Well, thank you thank so much for taking the time. It was so fun to chat with you. And hopefully we'll see you on the water one day. Yes, thank you so much, and let's hope so. And you have a guys a great uh, time in Mexico, and hopefully I will see some great permit and tarpon. I hope so. Your, uh, pictures. We and hope so for, too. Yes, looking forward to hear the podcast. Okay, yeah, thank you. Bye. Bye.